All right, Christmas time, what a time it is, a time of sitting around and conversing with one another, getting to know one another and sharing ideas and, you know, sharing the Christmas stories of years gone by and that's exactly what we're talking about in this series this year, Christmas conversations, those moments, those times that set us forward and, and moved us to where we are Today, I want to encourage you over the next few weeks to really allow God to have some of these conversations in your life. Maybe you're here today and there are some things that you've been wanting to say to God, but you haven't really gotten the courage to say that. You're afraid of how he might respond. Let me just share with you. He already knows. He already knows what you're going through. He already knows your concerns. He already knows the, the exciting moments and the, and the desperate moments in your life. You might as well open up and share with him. There are some of you here today that you have never really had that personal conversation with God. And I would challenge you today, I would encourage you today to take those moments and speak to God. What is it you need to say to him? And really, what is it you need to hear him say back to you? Because oftentimes, our conversation with God is very one-sided. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God, I would encourage you to, to be still in the presence of God and let, let the Lord speak directly to your life this Christmas season. The conversation that I want to look at is a conversation between two ladies, Mary and her cousin, Elizabeth. Now remember, Elizabeth is currently pregnant. The, the word for many years is what, was that Elizabeth could not have a child. She was barren, unable to have a child. But suddenly she is with child. She has John the Baptist inside of her. We know John the Baptist. He's the one that preceded Christ. He's the one that proclaimed, I am a voice in the wilderness, proclaiming the way or preparing the way for the Lord. And you see, in our story, we see Mary walking into the room, and she begins to have a conversation with Elizabeth. And the Bible says that at just the mere sound of Mary's voice, the baby inside of Elizabeth, John the Baptist, leaped. Take a look at this. At just the mention, or just the voice of Mary, says, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Have you ever been around some girls that haven't seen one another in a while, and suddenly, just at looking at them, they sense that something's going on, and they exclaim, let me see how that read again, look at this. Elizabeth gave a glad cry. Have you ever seen a girl give a glad cry? I need some female in here that was a former cheerleader that can give me a glad cry. Come on, who's a former cheerleader? I'm going to pick somebody, and you may not have been a former cheerleader, but you're going to help me out. Pastor Ryan? I'm sorry, Chandler was patting Pastor Ryan on the back, and I'm just picturing the skirt, and I'm like, no, not today, Satan. Not today. Any, any former cheerleaders in the house, can you give me a glad cry? You guys are just boring. Come on. It, none of you. Okay, so you all know what that glad cry is, right? I mean, I'm not going to demonstrate. You're wanting me to demonstrate it. You're encouraging me, but we're filming this service. 
and it's going on that internet, and I'm not going to embarrass myself. But we all know what that glad cry is. Suddenly, they come in, and they begin to wail and, and fling, and everything is going, and they're all excited. That's what happened at just the sound of Mary's voice. Mary didn't walk in. She didn't go, Elizabeth, you will never believe this. Sorry, that's my best Mary impression. Don't do that again. My wife has encouraged me. I got to move on. So, so Mary walks in, and she doesn't share that she just had a conversation with the angel of the Lord. She didn't share with Elizabeth in that moment that, that the Holy Spirit was going to overcome her, and she was going to bear the child that was going to be the Messiah in the world. She wasn't at that moment of sharing. She just walked in the room and said, Elizabeth. And the Bible says that the child with inside Elizabeth leaped. Elizabeth gave a glad cry. <laughs> right? You all know what that looks like. But that's not the moment that I want to dig into today. You see, a little deeper into the conversation is what I want to focus on. Um, Luke chapter 1 verse 45 is our text for today. And it says this, Elizabeth is speaking. She looks at Mary and she says, You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. That's what I want to look at tonight. Are you blessed because of your faithfulness to the call of God in your life? Are you blessed because you believe even though you don't see? Are you blessed today because you are following the command of God? But I hear your response. Well, pastor, I you're talking about a, a calling. You're talking about following God. You're talking about these things. That doesn't really apply to me because I'm not a pastor. I'm not a, a missionary. I'm not an evangelist. But I want to correct you and say that every one of us, the moment that we've received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, every single individual in this room, male and female, young and old, Every single one of us, the moment we say, Lord, come into my life, be my Lord and Savior, in that moment, a call has been placed upon our life. The question is, what are you doing with that call? Are you obedient to the call of God? Really, what I want to look at today is the idea of obedience. Has your faith, has your trust in God led you to the place of complete obedience. Look at your neighbor today and say, are you ready to be obedient? Has your faith in God led you to the place of complete obedience? So the word obedience, according to google.com, is this, compliance with an order or request. Are you in compliance with the things of God? Are you in compliance with what he's speaking into your life? The second definition is this, submission to another's authority. For our case today, submission to the call of God, submission to the word of the Lord. To fully process this question, I want to take some time. I want to press in a little bit this morning 
and see how this conversation would play out if it occurred in 2018, December the 9th, a Sunday morning, if suddenly we had this conversation, what would that look like in our personal lives? Here we are today, we've got this young, peasant, teenage girl, 13, 14, 15 years old. She's been chosen by God to give birth to the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Why would God choose Mary? Out of the hundreds of possibilities, why would he choose this girl that lived in a remote village from a poor family? I believe that he chose her because of her faith. Listen carefully. I believe that God chose Mary because of her faith. She believed that God would do exactly what he said he would do. This morning what I want to look at is three realizations of obedience. How many of you would agree with me that sometimes obedience is difficult? Sometimes it's hard. Especially when we can't wrap ourselves around the situation. Three realizations. Number one, total obedience begins with faith. What is faith? Faith is simply believing that what God says will happen will in fact happen. And you don't have to have all the details. According to the word of God, faith makes us sure of what we hope for and gives us proof of what we cannot see. It gives us the hope. It gives us an assurance. One translation says an assurance about what we can't see. We believe even though we don't have the evidence in front of us. When the angel Gabriel visited Mary and told her that she would have a son, that she was to call him Jesus, that he would be the son of the Most High, that he was the long-awaited Messiah, she had two responses. The first response was a question. How can this happen? I'm a virgin. A valid question. The angel is telling her that God is going to do something in her life that is physically impossible. First, having a child without previously been with another man or even with Joseph. How could that even happen? I don't know about you, but I can't wrap myself around it. I know how science works. I understand these things. But to look at this young girl and, and realize that she is going to carry inside of her our, our Messiah, our, the Lord. Yet she's never been with someone. I, I can't wrap myself around that idea. But not only is she going to have a child, it's going to be the Son of God, a, a divine being. Impossible, right? Rather than punishing her for questioning, Gabriel begins to answer her question. He told her that the Holy Spirit would come upon her and the power of the Most High would overshadow her. But that's all we get. 
He doesn't go into grand detail of how that will work. Now, I, I struggle a bit at times on different things because I'm a detail guy. Any, any detail people in the house? I want to know the details. There's a reason why I was born in this great state of Missouri. Show it to me, then I'll understand. Draw me a picture, give me something to wrap myself around. But Gabriel didn't really spell out the details. He gave her just a little bit to hold on to and said, and go. The second thing we see is Mary responded with a step of faith. She said, I am the Lord's servants. May everything that you've said about me in this conversation, may everything that you have said, may it come true. Even though it's physically impossible, even though it had never been done before, even though there was no one that Mary could go to that would really understand what was happening, Mary said, I believe. I have faith. I can't see it. I can't wrap myself around it. But Lord, I trust you. Obedience begins with faith. And I ask you today, do you have faith? Even when you can't really figure it out. Are you willing to, to step out? Say, Lord, I don't know what this next step's going to look like. And someone asked me a while back, they said, how do I know what God's calling me to do? Step out. Because when you begin to take that step, the next step becomes available. Sometimes we want God to give us the grand picture. Anybody else like that? God, just tell me everything. Just dump it all out right now, and then I'll be able to sort through the details. I'm just telling you, if God gave us all the details, we'd be overwhelmed. Could you imagine in that moment, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, Blessings, favored woman of God, you are going to conceive the Messiah. And guess what? In 33 and a half years, he's going to die on a cross. But don't worry, in three days, he'll rise from the grave. He'll be on the earth for a while. Then he's going back to... She'd be like, what? But Mary said... May everything that you have said about me in this moment, may it come true because I, I'm I'm the Lord's servant. See, uh, your obedience, my obedience, it it requires a a level of faith because we're not always going to have all the answers. I shared with you some time ago, I remember many years ago when I first began in ministry, I was at a prayer service at the church where I was on staff and I was a lot younger than I am now, and thought I could conquer the world, thought I could figure it all out, and I'm at my spot that I went to every prayer service, and I'm praying, and I'm seeking after God, and I said, God, would you just tell me, what do you have in store for the future? God, what do you have in store for my life? What do you have in store for my family? Where are you going to take us, and what's this going to look like? You know what God said to me? When I'm ready to tell you, I'll tell you. Okay, I'm the Lord's servant. Whatever you have in store, God. Lord, I want to be obedient to you, God. I'm going to have faith. Lord, I'm going to trust in you. But the second thing I've discovered is this. Being obedient to God is not always easy. 
being obedient to God is not always easy. Sometimes it requires that we do the hard stuff. For Mary, it wasn't easy. We'll talk about that in just a moment. In the book, Immediate Obedience, I'm reading this book right now. It's written by an Assemblies of God pastor in Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, his name is Rod. Someone laughed when I said Arkansas. That's hilarious. Why, why was there a chuckle with Arkansas? Yes, books can come out of Arkansas. And Rod, if you're watching this, I didn't laugh. They did. A great book on obedience, but in this book, he makes this statement. When I hear God's voice and obey to step into people's lives, I can expect some to be grateful, some to be confused, and some to think I've lost my mind. I'm okay with that. Let that sink in for a moment. When I hear God's voice and obey to step into people's lives, I can expect some to be grateful, some to be confused, and some to think I've lost my mind. I'm okay with that. Let me ask you, are you okay with that? Who are we here to please? Are we here to, to make everyone in the world happy? Are we here to, to satisfy everyone's desires and needs? No, we're here to please God and God alone. People make statements like this, well, pastor, I just can't really accept that virgin birth thing. That doesn't really make any sense to me. And that resurrection, I can't wrap myself around that either. Why? Because it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. But isn't that the point? Isn't it the point that, that God would choose to do something that otherwise was absolutely impossible? After all, the angel Gabriel said nothing is impossible with God. God would do something miraculous, something so extraordinary that it would require faith on our parts. But oftentimes our response is, well, that's just too far. That's too far of a leap. That's too far of a jump. I'm not going to step out on, on blind faith. I'm not going to believe in that. But here's what I want you to grab a hold of this morning. What we're talking about today in this moment is not blind faith. Blind faith means there's absolutely no evidence. There's nothing to back up the belief. The faith that we have today is, in fact, based upon eyewitness evidence. Luke tells us in his gospel, and he was very much a detailed guy. He was a doctor. And it says in Luke chapter 1, it says, Many people, Luke is writing here, Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used eyewitness report circulating among us from the early disciples. He says, people have been writing about all these details, and they used eyewitness reports. You would think that would be enough. He could say, well, from that, I've used their research and I'm going to share with you what they wrote about. No, no, no. He goes on to say this. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write a careful account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Luke's saying everything they've heard is from eyewitness proof. People saw it. People heard about it themselves. 
But he didn't just go off of what other people wrote that they heard. That's second-hand and third-hand knowledge. He said, no, no, no. In my situation, on what I'm going to write here, I'm going to share with you my detailed, careful investigation of the facts. Tradition tells us that he even interviewed Mary about what occurred. See, faith is believing what God said he would do. But what we're talking about this morning For our fact, for our benefit, is not just faith, but more facts. For Mary, it was faith. She was blessed because she believed she had faith, believing that what God said he would do, he would in fact accomplish. That's the kind of faith that God blesses. That's the kind of faith that God rewards. Jesus said the same to the disciple Thomas. After Jesus was resurrected, Thomas said, I am not going to believe that Jesus rose from the grave until I can touch the nail scars in his hand, until I can put my fingers in the hole in his side. I'm not going to believe until I can see the facts for myself. Once this occurred, he believed. And Jesus responded this way, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Do you have faith today? Do you believe today? God's favor, God's Blessing, God's approval is upon those who have faith. Hebrews chapter 11 tells me this, and it's impossible. Look at your neighbor, say it's impossible. It's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. Notice it says impossible to please God without faith. God continues to give his favor to those who have faith, to those who trust in his promise today and tomorrow and for time to come. But I hear your concern. When God begins to speak into our life and he's beginning to give us instruction, we begin to ask questions much like Mary did. What exactly is God going to ask me to do? Right? What does that look like? Some of you, God's been stirring with you to to begin something, a ministry or an opportunity or or talk to somebody or do something. In fact, I was talking to a a young lady, one of our young adults, just a couple of days ago, and she began to share with me kind of a passion that she has. And I looked at her, her and I said this, when do you want to start? Why? Because God's putting that passion upon her. So you ask the question, what is God really asking me to do? Or maybe you say this, what will people say about my newfound obedience? Could you imagine Mary? She has just said, Gabriel, I'm the Lord's servant. Let all of this come true. Could you imagine what what was going through her mind? What's everyone going to say? How's everyone going to respond? What did Rod say in our quote a while ago? When I hear the voice of God and obey to step into people's lives, I can expect some to be grateful, 
some to be confused, and some to think I've lost my mind. I'm okay with that. And I believe that's, that's the place where Mary found herself. She did a real quick recap in her mind of a conversation. She may have even thought in her mind, Elizabeth is going to go berserk. So-and-so down the street, they're going to think I'm nuts. So we begin to think, what are those around me going to say about this newfound obedience? Or maybe you even ask this question, what will need to change in my life? What needs to alter inside of me to accomplish the task that God's laid before me? Let me ask you this question. What do you think God is asking you to do? See, I believe that every one of us has a moment like Mary. We may not have an angel appearing in front of us, but we have that voice of God that begins to stir in us. Hey, go talk to that person. Pray for this individual. Begin that ministry. Do this, do that. And How are we going to respond? What is God calling you to do. Could it be that he's calling you just to encourage that person that you see every day at work? Maybe, maybe there's an individual that God has laid upon your heart that you need to share the saving grace knowledge of Jesus Christ with them. Maybe you just received some money and God is saying to you, you need to give generously to an organization, to some charity, to something greater than yourself. Whatever it is, God says, if you really want to do my will, if you really want an outpouring of my blessing, just believe in me. Just have faith. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it doesn't make any sense. Sometimes God will begin to stir, and, and I'm like, really? Right now? In the middle of the grocery store? There's people around. But God says, do you trust me? Do you believe that I can do what I said that I'm going to do? Are you willing to trust God this morning? 1 Samuel chapter 15 says this, What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Let me back up. Some of you are like, well, pastor, we don't do burnt offerings. You barbecue? <laughs> okay, not the same. Some of you, that's a burnt offering. No, but we have things that we call sacrifices. Oh, that was a real sacrifice. Oh, you know, I gave them 20 bucks. That was a real sacrifice. I came to church two Sundays in a row. That was a real sacrifice. We have things that we call a sacrifice. What's more pleasing to God, our, our sacrifice, our burnt offerings, or being obedient to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. You see, we can come in here every single week, and we can go through our routine, we can go through our, our ritual, if you would, we can maintain what we always do, we can sacrifice an hour and 15 minutes every Sunday morning, but if we fail to follow through, we've missed the points. I, I share this thought with you quite often, that 
And I never want us to be guilty of coming in and, and hearing a message, maybe taking really good notes and, and leaving those notes either on our seat or in a paper wad or in the flyleaf of our Bible or in the back seat of our car and never really allowing the message, the Word of God to, to penetrate our hearts. And, and I fear that sometimes we do that. I was listening to a, another pastor on his sermon a while back, a couple, few weeks ago, and in the middle of this he said, you know what, we come in here and we hear the Word of God and he's, he's sharing a, a situation much like that and oftentimes I kind of float that to you and share that thought, but he goes on to say, it's a sin if we don't follow through with what we here on a Sunday morning and I was like snap that just got real you know I've always kind of shared it's a bad thing guys you know if, if we're not really putting the word of God into our hearts if we're not really you know applying the word of God but the Bible says it's a sin look at this remember it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it are you willing to be obedient to the Word of God? Are you willing to put into motion what God has applied to your heart? Are you willing to apply what His Word, of, His Word shares with us today? It's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. What is it that God is telling you to do? But for one reason or another, you're avoiding the obedience. Maybe you're here and God's been sharing with you that you need to get involved in ministry. You need to begin to volunteer, maybe in the children's ministry. Maybe you need to be a greeter. Maybe you've got a, a musical ability and God's saying you need to join the worship team. Maybe God's been stirring inside of you, but you're, you're sitting back and you've come up with all sorts of excuses of why you can't do that. What is it that God is calling you to do, but for one reason or another, you're avoiding the obedience? Mary, she had to come to the place of total and complete compliance and ultimately submission to the voice and the leading of God. It wasn't instantaneous. In fact, the Bible says that first she was bewildered, she was disturbed, she was confused. But as we discovered last week, Gabriel reassured her, don't be afraid. Nothing's impossible for God. And Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And I, I wonder today, are we willing to be more than just a Sunday morning Christian? Are we willing to be completely surrendered to him? Can you make the statement that Mary made? Lord, whatever it is you want of me, Lord, I am willing to do it. Come on, be careful. Some of you are shaking your head. Yes, but be careful. Are you willing to be completely and totally obedient? I'm the Lord's servant. Lord, I submit to you today. Obedience takes faith. Obedience, it's not always going to be easy. But the third thing I see is this, the reward of obedience outweighs the cost. 
the reward of obedience outweighs the cost. If I was proofing this today, I would actually put a little uh, arrow sign, and before the word outweighs, I would put always. The reward of obedience always outweighs the cost. Now consider for a moment the ramifications of Mary's response. In her obedience, there were a couple things happening. Number one, Mary was trusting that Joseph would believe her story. He, he was trusting that, that when she went to talk to Joseph and she said, okay, here's the deal. I know this is going to sound nuts. I know that you're going to have a hard time grabbing a hold of this. But the angel Gabriel, <laughs> he just showed up. And he said that I was favored. Yeah, I know, I know. I, no more jokes. I know. He said, I'm favored. And he said that, that I'm going to be the mom to the long-awaited Messiah. She was trusting that, that in that moment of, of sharing and, and conversation, that very first Christmas conversation, that that Joseph would believe the story. She was trusting that he wouldn't seek divorce. We talked a little bit about that last week. The engagement was so much more than an engagement today. To, to break an engagement was to, to get a divorce. She, she was trusting that he wouldn't seek divorce. She was trusting that she wouldn't have to raise this child, the Messiah, our Savior on our own in a society in which illegitimate children was not looked upon favorably? Or, or even worse, according to the Old Testament law, Joseph could have had Mary stoned to death. Rocks thrown at her until she died. Resulting in her death and the death of the Christ child inside of her. She was trusting that, that Joseph would believe her story. But Mary was also willing to sacrifice her reputation. See, the town of Bethlehem, some say it was around 300 people, others say upwards of 2,000, but regardless, I grew up in a small town, 3,704, counting everyone's dog and cat. Those of you from a small town, you know that everyone knows your business. Come on, those of you from small towns, you understand, right? Everybody's up in your business. She was risking her reputation. It wouldn't take long for gossip to begin to go across the town of Nazareth. Everybody hopping on Facebook, Snapchatting, can you believe Mary? tweeting out can't believe that Mary's pregnant she says she's never been with a man right for her it was a lose-lose situation in their eyes either she would be ridiculed for being with Joseph prior to the official ceremony of marriage if Joseph divorces her, people would accuse her of adultery, compare her to a prostitute, shun her. Difficult situation. 
risking her reputation. No matter how you slice it, it was going to be a rough road for this young teenage peasant girl. Trusting God was going to cost her something. Her reputation, her spouse, her life, the list goes on and on. But she was willing to put her faith in action. Lord, I'm ready to be obedient. Lord, I'm ready to trust you. Let everything you've said about me come true. And I I wonder today, are we willing today to be completely obedient? Does your faith cost you anything? Let's just be real. In America, this church thing is easy. Anybody here this morning have somebody threaten your life and say, if you come to church, they're going to kill you? No? No takers? Nobody? No? No? Church is easy here in America. Oftentimes our faith doesn't cost us anything. But Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Are you willing to have enough faith to step out? Are you willing to to have enough faith to put your faith into motion, to be obedient, to give up your own way? That's a biggie. Because we're offended by everything. I'm not going to give up my way. I'm offended that you want me to give up my way, Pastor. Are we willing to step out of our comfort? Mary was. Are we willing to to regularly, on a daily basis, put our faith into action and truly follow Him? The Bible says that, that Elizabeth, she could see the blessing on Mary. Come on, look at this. Mary walks in the room. She calls out to Elizabeth, Elizabeth, Elizabeth sees the blessing on her. The baby inside of her, John the Baptist, he leaps and Mary lets out this crazy scream that only girls can do. Right? What about you? Are you walking around with the evidence of obedience upon your life? Think about that. Are you walking around with the evidence of obedience on your life? When you walk in a room, do babies and women's bellies jump? Wouldn't that be awesome? Hey, pastor's here. (laughs) My wife's shaking her head. I got to move on. Does your life radiate that which causes a response from others. In his book, Immediate Obedience, Rod says this, in any moment of any day, what in me needs to die so that Christ may be exalted? Am I willing to be that radically obedient to God? 
That's your question. What in you needs to die in order for God to be glorified? What in you needs to change? And are you willing to be that radically obedient?